listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Looper. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Christian McCransky. Uh, je m'appelle Christian. <laughs> and with a Looper tagline, Kelly Wand. I emerged in a stupor. <laughs> that rhymes very good. It's like a rap lyric, Kelly Wand. I'll pipe her pair, uh, though. Uh, ah, Kelly Wand, have you seen Carriers? No, I don't see movies. No, I don't see movies fun. named after things that modems do. Oh, okay. <laughs> I saw Passengers. <laughs> Wait. Well, they lose Carriers. They don't do that. Or something like that. Yeah, there's some, like, ancient... And the guys my age remember that. There's something that modems do that involve Carriers. Wait, uh, anyway, I think you were going to start with ancient. The next word after ancient. Uh-huh. Technology. Okay. Old? I don't know. Terrible. <laughs> uh, but anyway, when you say Piper Paravo, I think of uh, I think Paravo? of Carriers, a, a really good movie that she was in that you should see, and I'm sure Dingus agrees. Um, I like but before we before we talk Looper, uh, Dingus, you saw something else this week. Uh, without spoiling anything, would you recommend it? And what was it? <laughs> don't tell it us was. what it was. Just tell us if you recommend it. I would thing. say yes. I wholeheartedly recommend it. Why did you go to that, Dingus? Uh, because I didn't want to see Hotel Transylvania. Ah, boy, that's you dodged a bullet there. Uh, animated movie with you, unlike the rest of America, by the way. I don't want to spoil the the, the math that we'll get into. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Dingus and I both saw separately and on accident. Uh, End of Watch. Um, Dingus, why did you Why did you go see it, Tom? Uh, why did I see it? I think because it was David Ayer, Ayer or Ayers. I think because it it's was Ayers, yeah, Ayers. Uh, because it was I, you know, it was the Training Day guy. Uh, because uh, and it might have even been something as simple as you know, I I want to keep up on Anna Kendrick's career. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, I I was kind of like uh... I, I I let myself watch the trailer a few times and thought it was looked pretty dopey, but. I, it did well. It, I think did it got some good reviews. It made a fair bit of money. So uh, I wasn't expecting much, but uh, I think in a nutshell, fair. No, you even you would like it, Kelly Wand. I would recommend it pretty widely. In a nutshell, End of Watch demonstrates what happens when you have fantastic chemistry between actors, and it also demonstrates what happens when the people making the movie appreciate that. Yeah. Damn. And I didn't, I, I wasn't, it's weird, I wasn't particularly excited about seeing it, and I really loved uh, both Training Day and Harsh Times. Um, Wait, that's him too, Harsh Times? I know he wrote it, I don't know, I don't think he directed it. But so he, he basically wrote, writes movies about two dudes driving around in a car. He's good at it. Yeah. No, he, <laughs> he wrote and directed both of these. He didn't direct, uh, what's the, uh, Training Day. Right, right. That was on Fuqua. Right, right, right. Oh, good. Yeah, good point. No, and and uh, but but my wife was was saying, hey, let's all go to the movies. Uh, do you want to see Hotel Transylvania? Because we're going to take uh, our son to that. And I said, no, I don't. And she said, well, End of Watch is playing at that same time. And I was kind of like you, Tom. I had seen the preview a little bit, and it looked a little standard. Cops running around, uh, and I was sort of. <laughs> Dragging my feet. So much Man, is it good? And, and what you said is absolutely true. It totally understands exactly where we should be for most of the movie. 
And it makes me feel bad for all those movies where Michael Pena is terrible. Like where they just. Oh my gosh. I mean, that guy is so good and he's so, uh, he just is so willing to commit even if it's awful material. Was it Horrible Bosses that we saw him in where he was terrible? Um, but he's just, just. No. The one where he was worse was, uh, 30 minutes or less. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Right, right. I confuse those two. Yeah. Yeah, I too. But I just feel so awful for that guy when he's in terrible stuff. Because he's just so good and, and relaxed and just easygoing um, and, and heartfelt, too. I mean, the movie gets a little sappy at times, and I, uh, but it earns it. it you know, it, yeah. it, uh, uh, and, you're making me not want to see it more. Well, here, here Kelly, Wan, it's, it's really snappy. It's energetic. It's snappy. It moves. It, it's not above uh, sort of silly action sequences uh, to, to keep things moving at a clip. Um, it, it's just energetic. It's energetic in a bunch of different ways, including the acting, including the direction, including the way it's shot. Like, I, it's not found footage, and you wouldn't necessarily know that from the trailer, uh, but they play with just cutting in a lot of found footage stuff. Um, I thought that's where they were going to go with it, and, but then they don't, and I think that that's valuable, and I like how they cut back and forth. Yeah. And it balances... Uh, tension and um, humor perfectly. Yep. It, yep. Uh, yeah. So sappy and snappy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to say sappy, just... Uh, mm, it, it, it gets it first. It ultimately gets a it. little too earnest. Uh, I know. I, I, would, I, like I would disagree Wilde. with that. I would say that it hit exactly the right emotional chords with me. All right. Uh, well, so Kelly Wan, you have to then decide like whether I'm right or Dingus is right. Wait, I thought you agreed. Uh, I think I thought it got a little too earnest. Dingus thought it hit the note perfectly. You, Kelly, one have to decide which one of us is right by going yourself, seeing uh, end of day or end of watch, and <laughs> the days I'll watch again <laughs> immediately. So I actually walked out of something, uh, which I rarely do. The last oh. movie I walked out of was uh, Oh Rats. What was that thing with Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling, uh, where they're in relationships and Ryan Gosling is like real smarmy and he's hitting on. I think Emma Stone. Oh, for Pete's sake, someone help me out. What was that? Dan in real life? No, no. Ugh, dag nabbit. No, all I can think of is date night. It's not that. It's it's him with Julianne Moore. Oh yeah, God. yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, you went to that, first off. Well, it was one of those things where I was doing it. Uh, not that I would ever admit to doing this, but let's say perhaps I was going to so see another movie, and yeah. then once I walked out of the first movie, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll go to a second movie. Emma Stone. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And Ryan Gosling, I'll go see that. Yeah. And I walked out of it. Whatever it was called, that was awful. I have now, and I rarely do this, walked out of another movie. It, it was, it, it, like, literally unwatchable. I could not watch it. I watched and you'll watch the movie. The, okay, yeah. Oh, God, I watched the worst that, Right, they want. exactly. So that's why it's striking. Uh, Cosmopolis, the David Cronin. Oh, no. Oh, you walked out of Cosmopolis? It was so freaking wretched. I could not stomach, first of all, that guy, the Twilight guy, who I don't think I've seen anything here, Robert Pattinson. He is awful. Uh, but then the writing, I don't know if it's adapted from something. Walked out of a Cronenberg. Huh. Oh, man. Well, I didn't see Dangerous Method and didn't hear anything about it that made me want to see it. So, yeah. Why didn't Vigo just play every role in Cosmopolis? Not that I see. Uh, you walked out of it. How far in? Uh, so I, I stuck out with it. It's about such an enormously unsympathetic character, which is part of the uh, problem. He's just this like rich, snooty guy who who basically thinks he's really deep and has deep thoughts. And the movie apparently thinks he has deep thoughts. And he says things like, uh, "Let's drive this limo around the throbbing heart of the city." Like he says, 
like that. Uh, he talks that way for Pete's sake. Uh, and I don't know, like maybe if he gets killed violently at the end of the movie, I might end up liking it. So I don't know where it's going. Uh, one cool thing it does have going for it is Kevin Durant, who we like on this podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. He plays his sort of like driver slash bodyguard, and he plays it with a smirk that makes me think, that maybe Kevin Durant knows he's in a movie that's even worse than Resident Evil Retribution. <laughs> Will somebody so, put that guy in a good movie, please? I really, no kidding. So I couldn't stick with it. Maybe it gets better, but I just, it was one of Walked those... out of Cosmos. It's one of those two for things where I was like, you know what, maybe I don't want to go to a second movie, and I just left. Oh, and where I left was where he's having sex with Juliette Binoche. I'm sort of like, okay, if this movie expects me to believe that this dude gets Juliette Binoche, no, I'm not on board with this. I'm so you take it personally. Exactly. <laughs> she could she, she could do way better than that guy. Um, well, she's learning. She's get, getting broken in for you. That's how I watch such scenes. <laughs> I do not think... Um, my cup's always half full. Because most uh, chicks, are na- they're never naked in the movies you want them to be naked in. It's like to see Jessica Biel, you have to watch Powder Blue. I don't think you. I don't think you understand the appeal. I don't. You don't have to see Juliette Binoche naked to appreciate her. I mean, she's, she's a fantastic, gorgeous person. Whereas, uh, like, uh, who's the one you just mentioned? Powder Blue, Jessica Biel. I don't. She does nothing for me, really. I mean, she's attractive, fine. If she wants to be naked in a movie, I'm sure I would enjoy it. But Juliette Binoche does not have to be naked for me to appreciate what an amazing creature she is. Zap almost got us Heather Thomas. It's the closest we'll ever get. Well, Kelly, we go to what? the movies with the naked we have. No. <laughs> so, uh, without spoiling anything, Diggis, what movie did we all three go to this week? <sighs> Cosmopolis. Fuck. That was Crazy Love that you saw. Oh, crazy God. Instinct. Oh, what a horror really? title. That's the title? I would never have yeah, crazy, it. It's, no, it's not. That's not it. I don't know what it is. It's Crazy ah. Love or something. I, I love you, but fuck three... Is it one of the holiday titles? Crazy like Stupid Love, that's it. Crazy, oh, that's even worse. If there's worse than Crazy Love. <laughs> you, for, you forgot the word stupid? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's awesome. And then it pops into my head. Hey, stupid. Uh, All right, well, this think. this week, instead of Crazy Stupid Love or uh, oh, yeah. Change Up, which I think Tom went to after Crazy Stupid Love, uh, we saw Looper. Looper. Remember? <laughs> a 2012 action science fiction thriller movie about the future perfect tense. <laughs> it was directed and written by Ryan Johnson and stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Emily Blunt, Bruce Willis, Paul Dano, and a monkey. What? Uh, oh, sorry. Pierce Gagnon. <laughs> Looper. <laughs> I understood that. Okay. Uh, Looper is rated R mm. for strong violence, mm. language, some sexuality slash nudity, and drug content. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? Fictional drug messes up the rating again. I and I actually, I actually had a, a pretty vociferous debate about said nudity with uh, my wife tonight. Uh, oh, we're yeah. talking about the movie, yeah. Piper Parabo is naked in it, uh, yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I went through that entire movie not realizing that was Piper Parabo. So, uh, yeah, it took me, it took me a couple scenes, that. too. It really did. Took me, not she... a couple scenes, took me the credits. So, I've basically seen Piper Parabo naked and didn't even know it. So, that happens. There's some of her in Coyote Ugly that they cut. But I think it's just her eyes. So, never mind. Kelly Wan, see Carriers. <sighs> Uh, all right, so uh, Dingus, that, uh, sorry, that was that. What year is that movie? 
2012. Oh, Looper or, or Carriers? Carriers is 2010, I believe. Uh, that, a, movie, a movie that old can't be. I don't see movies from that year. <laughs> I've learned the hard way. Uh, all right, so uh, Looper opened at number two behind hmm. Hotel Frickin' Transylvania. Oh, what? Yeah, how about that? Uh, it made $22 million. Oh, you know what? I think I wrote that wrong. I'm pretty sure it was 21 million, 21.2. So 21 million. I got <laughs> Thank that. Thank God one. that's cleared up. <laughs> well, that looked awfully uh, <laughs> symmetrical. Number two, 22 million. I, I would have noticed that before. I think that's. No, we can go back in time and close the loop. <laughs> uh, so 21 million, 21.2 million opening. Uh, How much was Hotel Transylvania? Uh, 38, I think. Just shy of 40, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that. Um. Let's see. Critically speaking, Looper on Metacritic, which averages the numerical rating on reviews that give ratings, uh, on Metacritic, Looper is at 84. On Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, Looper is at 93%. So, Kelly Wan, what would be the takeaway from this? I think we should stop doing that like saying percentiles if we ever get a zero and a hundred together like one of them is a hundred and the other one's zero we don't ever have to do it again i think that would be mathematically impossible i think they make these movies expressly to get high percentiles on those sites so if it looks like a good movie it'll try uh, no they make the movies for the earlier part of the math namely the box office take <laughs> i think that's not every movie <laughs> no because the Oscars... The Oscars don't care about Metacritic. Uh, I don't think they care about Rotten Tomatoes either. Uh, critic circles. So there you go. This could be a good indicator for those critic circles uh, nominations and picks at the end of the year. But, but those so, critics have to see a lot of stupid fucking movies. So their standards are... They're, it's, it's destroyed their brains. Every percentile's off. We're talking about us. But. Yeah, exactly. I know, and I don't, I don't trust us either. So they see more stuff than we do. We only have to do one a week. And it's killing me. Well, let's see how uh, Looper fared on this podcast. Kelly Wand, why don't you now spoil for us the events of Looper by giving us a loopsis? No, a loopersis. Loopersis. Oh, I, I was so wrong. No, it was loopsis. Loopsis? I JK'd you. Is it loopsis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rock and roll. Would you have told the truth if our roles were reversed? If I was Bruce Willis and you were Jay Gord. Is this the beginning of the loopsis? No. <laughs> it's a, uh, never mind. It is rhetorical. I will proceed with the loopsis, loopersis, if you want. Yes. Uh. Rock and roll. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, you know what? I hope that didn't spoil oh. anything. Spoiler alert. No, no, that doesn't mean anything. I always look forward to this. So there. Mm. Wait, why would that spoil it? Like a jinx or like it's a time travel joke that you're setting up for later? Ah. Uh. Sometimes Tom sees a movie and then he spends the remaining time looking forward to your synopsis and uh, often a lot of the running time of the movie he watched looking forward to your synopsis. Think or if the news so crawls. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not letting slip anything. You guys don't know the first thing about what I thought of, of loopers, so suck it. Did you say loopers? No, I didn't. Wait, wait. That, what's he, what's he, uh, so he's trying to trick us. You hear that? Trent, you don't know my tell. Kelly Wand, a loopsis <laughs> rock and roll. Time travel hasn't been invented yet, but it will be 30 years from now unless someone goes back in time and kills the guy who invents it, in which case I'm not writing this. 
Hang on. I'm getting a message from my future self written in scars along my forearm here. Let's see. Sidebar. Cool idea for time travel prank. Instead of killing your grandfather, go back in time and fuck your grandmother when she's young, obvi. Then come back to the present and jeeringly point out to your grandfather how you don't resemble him. Guess your grandma would have to be in on it, though. Okay, future me, that's enough out of you. And you're supposed to have the scars. You're older, stoner. Rascal. Anyway, so time travel exists, but was made illegal so that only criminals in Kansas can use it to kill each other. Since there's no way to make money using time travel, it's used exclusively for body disposal, which we're told is impossible due to something called tagging, although finding live people is trickier than ever. you got to use these futuristic devices called surveillance cameras. Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays a character with the same first and middle names. I find this distracting. Actors playing characters with the same name should do it every movie or never. Jay Gord saving up silver bars so he can someday live out his lifelong archetypal mafia flunky fantasy of going to France and getting flipped off by a Chinese chick in a bar. <laughs> his day jobs to hang out by cornfields and wait for tied up dudes with sacks over their heads to pop in from the future and get shot by him. <laughs> Doesn't really seem like skilled labor, but evidently he's the best at shooting a kneeling captive from three feet away with a shotgun <laughs> at the whole Midwest. Thought I had it easy. Side banadote. Me and this guy at work were waiting for the elevator Friday night. He was all, yup, got a pretty busy weekend ahead. Johnny's soccer practice in the morning. Got to install my wife's new bathroom. LARPing semifinals at three. My Methodist Pilates clubs getting together to eat hot dogs and watch the last scene of Paranorman with their families and make videos of us looking at pictures from our last barbecue. Also maybe take in a couple operas, replace my rain gutters. How about you? I went, I'm going to be a piece of shit. I'm going to do nothing. Not once for the next 48 hours will I sit up, wake up, or jack off. I'm going to snip the cord to my alarm clock, because unplugging it would involve stretching. I'll only breathe, because holding my breath would count as an action. And when I've not done all those things, I'm going to systematically not do them again, forever. He looked at me with seething envy. I didn't tell him I was seeing Looper and doing a podcast about it, because I didn't want to brag. <clears throat> I didn't get why the guys from the future didn't just do the shooting, too, and then send the bodies through. They also dimly have a policy whereby their loopers kill their own future selves, which, if I was running the time mafia, would think unnecessarily lowers morale and gives them 29 years to plot countermeasures. But maybe by then they're burned out in general on living with time travel. Great, now everybody's got infinite TPS reports due by 10 years ago. Way to go, Einstein. <laughs> By the way, people are also telekinetic, which is totally legal. It only works with quarters. It never gets you laid. I think that's like three minutes of this fucking movie. Things are going 250th day of summer for Jay Gord. He's got an apartment with silver bars in his floor. He knows a couple words of French. He's got a whore who's not into him. And he has an annoying friend named Paul Dana who's always getting him into trouble. Just because your buddy's telekinetic doesn't mean he's smart. Jay Gord's friend pounds on his door in the middle of the night. Jay Gord's all, what now, Paul Dano? Paul Dano's all, Jeepers, Joe, you gotta save me. I couldn't kill my future self while he was telling me exposition. What do I look like? And I keep dying horribly in every movie, but Shia LaBeouf's a fucking pinup? What the fuck? 
<laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt saw Bookum Dano. What exposition? <laughs> Paul Dano's all. He said Rain Man's going to kill all the vagrants and that nobody knows how, so obviously telekinesis is involved. He also said your future self is going to write some numbers on his hand that a guy told him on the phone before a tank blew up his hotel and that only three kids were born in a hospital on the same. All right, all right. Set New Zealand hard to follow. I get it. Here, hide my floor with my fortune in silver. They'll never look there. I'm too crafty for people from the future. Thanks, Joe. You're the greatest. Tragically, I guess, they get old Paul Dano, who looks kind of like David Caruso telepotted into Ryan O'Neill when Joe gives up the young one instead of half his silver. Although if they already know where the silver is, they're going to find him anyway. They start cutting fingers and dicks off the young one to entice the old one to crawl across town and get shot in the head, although the end of the movie suggests just shooting the young one would have worked too. Jay Gord gets over his friend's death by looking more CG. He clocks in at his cornfield. Aw, What's that dog's name? Stoney? That, uh, Abby. Abby. Ah, It's honey, actually. Then Bruce Willis jump cuts in, and Jay Gord knows it's his future self, because they have the same color nothing. It's like a menagerie in here. Bruce Willis tricks him by punching him in the face, but then they meet at a diner. Jay Gord's all, uh, what's this movie about again? Bruce Willis goes, some guys shot my Asian chick after she touched my foot, so I'm here to kill Rayman when he's a kid. <laughs> I've narrowed it down to three. Kids, not feet. Jay Gord's all, well, you could just keep an eye on all three for a few years and see which one pans out. And Bruce Willis is all, nah, probably just to shoot them all now. <laughs> Hope I don't get arrested for child murder before I get to number three. Jay Gord's all, uh... We could just marry someone else, maybe that we want dead. Bruce Willis is all, nah, Asian chick, trust me. Jay Gord's all, okay. Actually, I still want to shoot you, huh? Bruce Willis is all, okay. Shitloads of gunfire ensue for ten minutes. Number of narrative critical hits, zero. Jay Gord escapes to a farm where he hooks up with the blonde farmer chick who smokes an invisible cigarette, maybe telekinetically, because we know what she needs. Her telekinetic kid's going to grow up to be Rain Vader, but look how cute he is. He's making a plastic frog ribbit. Jay Gord's all, well, that's not loud enough. If your mom gets horny, I'm going to need to hear it better. The kid's all, big a bad a wee. Jay Gord's all, smart as a pancake, aren't you? The kid's all, I'm also telekinetic, and what's a face isn't my mom? She's a whine bitch. Jay Gord pesters the mom while she's chopping wood. What's this I hear about you not being a bitch? She's all, yeah, he's mine, something my sister, duh. He's all, I get you, they fuck. When the kid saves all their lives from Jay Gord's friend using telekinesis to squirt red CG from his pancreas, Jay Gord gets mad but changes his mind because the kid has blood on his face. The mom's all, honey, you did real good, but maybe leave out the falling down the stairs part next time, okay? Luckily, the kid doesn't have a scratch on him, and shot off his foot guy turns out not to know as much about range as claimed. Meanwhile, Bruce Willis gets caught but countertricks his captors by shooting them. Then he goes to the farm to kill the kid, but the kid causes a cyclone that lifts them all harmlessly a few feet for a couple seconds. The mom hugs the kid. Money, you did really good. Money, you did really good again. <laughs> Maybe kill the gunman next time instead of just levitating him, though. <laughs> Thanks to the cyclone, Jay Gord's learned his lesson, so he pulls out his gun and shoots himself, so Bruce Willis disappears, and the kid grows up only partially traumatized. Unfortunately, by erasing Bruce Willis, Jeff Daniels is now back alive, and so shot his foot-off guy, and they proceed to kill and fuck grandparents everyone before the continuum implodes on itself and destroys the loopiverse. 
but it was still a nice gesture. The end. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you, Kelly Wand. Hate it. I mean, you're welcome. Hate what? The movie? Mm, make those shorter from now on. No, don't even think about that. Less sappy, more snappy. Well, I'm going to give you a chance to catch your breath, uh, because Dingus, what, what did you think of Looper? The movie or the synopsis part? No, that would be the loopsis. Yeah. I think we all appreciated the loopsis on this, on this podcast, but now let's get a feel for what we thought of Looper the movie. Or the character. That's his name, isn't it? Joe yeah, that's like his job. That's like it's like saying plumber, dentist, looper. But if they close the loop by killing themselves, their future selves, that means they're right. not really looping until they do that. So. Kelly Wand, you're going to turn your brain into a fried egg. Yeah, don't do oh, that. Right. We're going to be sitting around here with diagramming things with straws all day. <laughs> Guess <I'll> st- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want that in the scene. Uh, I have a question about apostrophes. If the looper's guns go here, where does that apostrophe go? Ah, Dingus noticing grammar leads me to believe he wasn't into the movie. The grammar I noticed paradox. Grammar, yeah. Uh, but Dingus, it was, you know, they're not librarians or copy editors, so that no. just struck me as realistic. All right. They don't even need to aim their guns. Precision is not, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I guess time. They have to be punctual, but not precise. How's that? But they use stopwatches from the 1800s for that part of their job. Shotguns and stopwatches. Physics. Uh, Tom didn't like the movie, I'm predicting. Well, let, I'm waiting to hear from Dingus. So, Dingus, did this, did oh. this work for you? How did, uh, what did what did you think of Looper? Thought you'd give oh, I, I quite liked it. I think it's full of holes. And uh, I don't like it as much uh, today Loops. after seeing End of Watch. Um, but I really, uh, I just like the style of it. And uh, I could go nuts debating the things that the screenwriter just said, hey, just quiet your little head and don't worry about that. Um, and I'll do that. I'll, be, I'll happily do that, but I still really, really liked it. All right. Uh, Kelly Wan, now you think I didn't like it, which may, leads me to believe you didn't like it. I liked it for a little while, and then when telekinesis got involved, I didn't like it anymore. I thought it muddied the waters. And then I didn't like the child actor, too, and there was tons of them. I didn't think he was convincingly telekinetic or smart. So real quick, one of the things I overheard at the end of the movie, this is a great movie, by the way, to eavesdrop on people talking afterwards. I agree with that. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're not kidding. I have an awesome thing to say about that, but go ahead. That's the well, best the, part of the movie, actually, yes. The, the one that I heard was uh, a, a kid, I say a kid, a guy 20-something next to me with a bunch of other dudes that he'd come with, asking the other dudes, if she was psychic, why couldn't she read his mind? I thought psychics could read your mind. Ah, because he saw dread. <laughs> That was, that was his objection. <laughs> uh, and so my objection is partly the telekinetic kid. I, I didn't care for it at all. I, I wouldn't say I hated it uh, because I wanted to see where it was going. But for two, two things kept me uh, were just huge obstacles. And they prevented me from appreciating things I might have otherwise appreciated. And one of the things that I just thought was a, a big obstacle for me and a big mess uh, was the way that Ryan Johnston, uh, Johnson Johnson. Uh, he was so good at creating a world in Brick. You know, Brick was this sort of take on on film noir meets high school. And I loved that world. It was vivid. It was distinct. Uh, he explored it thoroughly. I didn't feel any such thing happened here, where instead, Looper felt to me this like an absurd soup of these random elements. You know, we have hover bikes. We have time travel. We have telekinetic super kids. Uh, and I just... I. I 
any one of these things, just cut a couple of these things out. I mean, I, if you'd focused, I thought, on one of them, it could have been a stronger movie, but it was just so so messy. And at a certain point, just the sheer amount of, of what I thought was a lot of nonsense just kind of, kind of overwhelmed everything else for me. And I was thinking, you know what? Just throw in UFOs and let's have a volcano erupt, and this is just silly. Uh, so that was a big obstacle for me. So, Kelly Wan, I'm with you there. It wasn't specifically the telekinesis. It was just like there was just so much just stuff there. Like he had this script that really needed to be finessed and honed down a little bit more because there was just too much, and it was just it struck me as ridiculous. And he didn't get much out of them. Like they com- they competed for screen time. Exactly. Yes. Right. Like at, cer- at a certain point, all the stuff about the telekinetic super kid kind of took over, and it's right. like, oh yeah, we got to resolve this time travel stuff as well. Uh, so Dingus, that 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 was an obstacle for me and, and Kelly Wand. Um, how, how did you feel about like the world building, and did you feel that that was any sort of an obstacle for you? Were you okay with those those elements together in the movie? I I think the the telekinetic stuff. Uh, bothered me um but then i felt bad about that because i liked the uh you know kelly made a joke about the um oh gosh what was it in dread what could you do read other people the psychic in dread i i kind of like that i mean that comes from a a comic book world Mm -hmm. and uh but the the telekinetic stuff did feel like it was teleported in from a different movie get it um I like how it plays out. I like the silly things that they kind of that they do with it. I like what Sarah's character reveals and how that is a revelation for um, the kid later on. And I I absolutely love how that is a reveal for what is going on with the safe. I mean, her her moment in the safe is and how that is paid off later is one of my favorite things. I really 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 love love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can't agree with you that the world building is off because I, I really liked the way that whole opening sequence of like little Honda fits with solar panels on their hoods driving through the city and uh, weaving through different buses and people sitting here and there and how there's a very obvious class uh, distinction here that that this city in Kansas in 2000 and 2044, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like how he does that. I, I don't, I don't understand or buy the time travel stuff, but unlike for instance, inception, which I think is a movie wholly about, uh, the idea of dreams within dreams of dreams. I don't think this movie is about time travel. I think it's an excuse. I right. think it's about uh, a relationship between a couple of guys. And I, actually like how that plays out. Again, I like it less after seeing another movie that I saw today, but I still like how the relationships in this play that play out. And and I like the the way this world is built. I like the the crop duster. I like the 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 sad little cars. I, I like some of the little hints here and there that we don't get like the the vagrant the vagrant raids. I mean we just get little hints here and there and I I, I think the world is built rather convincingly. See, that's where uh, it. Uh, you mentioned the Iowa setting, and that's one of the things that to me just felt random and, and didn't seem to come together. Like, it seemed like Ryan Johnson wanted to get his Blade Runner in there, but he also had this sense of wanting to do some Field of Dreams kind of thing in a cornfield. So let's go to Iowa. 
and, and that just felt weird to me. Like they had the CG where you could see the skyscrapers behind the cornfields, and I just I didn't get that. Like I didn't understand what he was getting out of creating the world that way. And I did like some of the little touches. That little uh, jet-powered crop duster was awesome. Um, but I, why was it in a movie with a Blade Runner city? And why, you know, why were these cornfields so close to the city? Uh, all that just seemed weird to me. You know what? I, I'm reminded of the opening of this, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie, where we start out in, maybe it is Iowa, someplace like that, and we discover, oh, you know what? There's a naval base here, like the, the Federation starship base is in the middle of Iowa. And I liked that reveal, and I... For, for me, those disparate elements worked in Star Trek, but for whatever reason, they didn't here. The Iowa setting just seemed kind of pointless, and it's just like, hey, I need cornfields. Let's go to Iowa. Which also, by the oh. way, go ahead, sorry. I, I think the reason that it's set in this, this podunk town, which I think is actually Kansas, is just because uh, Jeff Daniels, it's, it's a line about he, he took over this, this town, this city, which would be a a feat in another city. Right. I think the idea is that this is small timers. And I think that's a key to why the loopers are doing what they're doing and why they're, why they're just so, so small potatoes. I mean, I, I was, I was arguing about this earlier today. Why, why, if you have time travel technology, why aren't you bringing that technology back to 2044 and then building it there and then go, doing all this other stuff? I think they're just small-time gangsters who have their hands on this illegal technology, and they're in a small town, and they've taken it over. And the excuse is, well, in a big town, that would have been made a difference, but all they can do is this little town in Kansas. You know, Dingus, he did that with Brick, and I'm just reminded of how, how that really reads in Brick. You know, yeah, their, right. their, their, their hegemony is over a high school, you know, that's so tiny. Uh, yeah. And I got a great sense of that, and, you know, the, the basement of the, the guy's mom's house. You, you know, that, <laughs> I, I really felt that in Brick, and here it just, I, I can see him going in that direction, but it just didn't come together that well for me. Uh, and you mentioned the time travel thing. I do want to point out, you know, I love the premise. I really wanted, it's another reason that I... I didn't like this whole thing about let's have some Blade Runner bits, let's have hover bikes, let's have telekinesis, because I really would have liked to have seen more interaction with this whole time travel conceit. And, you know, what if you could convince your younger self? You know, what if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self who's a jerk and a punk and you don't like him <laughs> and you realize he needs to grow up? Like, I wanted, I love that scene between the two of them, and I just wanted more of those. And all that other stuff felt like it got in the way. Because um, I did like that. And, and, uh, I think it's notable that uh, Ryan Johnson uh, credits a fellow named Shane Carruthers as a consultant for the time travel bits. And Shane Carruthers did a movie called Primer. Now, Primer, if you've seen it, it, Primer is a perfect model for many things, such as how to do tech talk in a movie. You know, when you have scientists sitting around talking in Primer, it's convincing. You don't need to know what they mean. They sell it with their intent. There's great tech science talk in Primer. It's also a, a model for how to make a thriller on a limited budget. Um, but in terms of storytelling, and specifically how to fold time travel into a, a coherent plot, I would think Primer is one of the last movies you would want to emulate. Uh, so as much as I think it's kind of cool that he reached out to another independent filmmaker, uh, I, I, you know, Shane Carruthers is not the guy to talk to for how to make a cool time travel story because primers many things, but coherent is not one of them. Um, so I did feel like there were just a lot of missed opportunities with this time travel bit. And like Kelly said, I wondered this too. 
you know, fine. So there's going to be some hoo-ha in the future. You can't dispose of bodies. Eh, whatever. Why <laughs> this is the easiest way. Yeah, well, why didn't they kill them? Why didn't they just send the bodies back? I, I was wondering about that, too. You know, if there's going to be, if they just, why can't they dump bodies in those tanks and, and send them back? Why do the loopers even have to kill someone? Uh, why does the why does the looper have to close his own loop? I mean, why? Right, well, that's exactly. I didn't understand the point of that, and I I I'm not sure if I missed a piece of dialogue or that just seemed really odd. As Kelly mentioned, it would probably hurt morale. Uh, I didn't understand that, uh, and it, it seemed. And how often does it happen? Well, it seems like once for everyone is the idea because uh, the well, it's, ha- it's happening more now. I think things are coming to a head. You hear little bits of dialogue that like, there's been four this week or whatever right, right. because of the rainmaker. I mean, it's everything's coming to a head at this moment in time. And and I did think that that would be explored and explained, and there would be a reveal about that. But instead, the reveal is that uh, oh, Emily Blunt is psychic too. It completely uh, all these other cool things that I thought we were going to explore were completely left behind, so we could have that sort of anime style telekinetic kid ex- nuke explosion thing at the end. Uh, I've seen that so many fucking times, too. Telekinetic kids. The fear, gotta, or yeah. a fire starter. Or, yeah. All uh, of them. I mean, it really did seem to be this weird, like, third act addition. Like, let's have the third act be about the telekinetic kid. Um, Who wants that, though? In a movie called Looper. I'm seeing a movie, and I heard a, I heard a Canadian chick shrilly yelling about this. Like, what's that got to do with anything? Like, she was screeching <laughs> with rage. Uh, she will, followed it. She was ahead of the the narrative, as convoluted as it was. Uh, I will say that I really did like Emily Blunt, and uh, I mean, she's. It, it reminded me of. Uh, uh, oh, rats. I think Dingus even liked this one. Um, the one with her and Matt Damon. It was all premise based. Like it was all. Bureau. Yeah, Judgment Bureau, exactly. Uh, man, I just like her so much. Uh, and and I got to say, too, every now and then in a movie, you will see an actor with like a sledgehammer or an axe or some construction implement, and it's clear the actor doesn't know how to use it. Oh, yeah, I, you're not kidding. Uh. At her chucking that axe down into that stump. I'm like, wow, look at She knows how to use an axe. That's kind of cool to see. Uh. She totally knew how to do it, too. I've seen, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, actors who use axes in particular and don't yeah. know how to hold your, hold your hand and slide down the handle. Yep. Sorry, you know, they'll choke up on the front of it or something, or even if it's something simple like a hammer, you know, watching a bad actor not knowing how to use a hammer, for instance. I, I don't think she's capable of, of having an emotion on screen that's inauthentic, even in Adjustment Bureau. Like, she's just amazing. I yeah. love her. And that safe bit was awesome. I'm, I'm with you there, Dingus. I, it made me wish this movie had been about a telekinetic kid. <laughs> you know, it made me wish the movie had more focus. Uh, How'd she get it up there? Uh, that's what she said? <laughs> Kelly Wan, there was obviously a crane involved. Come on. It's uh, the future. All right, can I bring up the other thing that really bugged me? And I'm curious if this oh, you guys. That was all one thing. <laughs> the last hour. Well, yes. basically the, the world building and the script and uh, just how the disparate elements didn't work for me. You know, Dingus appreciated that bit of world building. Kelly Wan, it sounded like you were sort of in, in my camp. Like you felt like it was pulled. Well, yeah, and it also, you don't know what the stakes are. Like, what is this organization trying to do? And who, what's going to happen in 30 years? Like, is it worth it if they know the future? Do they give a shit what happens? Well, like, I think we only we only know what he knows. I mean, that's part of it. But he seems disinterested. And in the, the, the diner, the first thing they, they say is like, all right, let's not talk about anything good. He's trying, but I don't think he's capable of understanding those things at this point in his life. I mean, that's why... That's why I love the the choice of this casting, and I hope we'll get to that. 
And, you know, he's called a boy. I mean, he's called a right. boy. It's, it's good. It's a good scene. Idiot boy. Well, it's and a good then there's scene. never another one. Well, right. I wanted that explored more. Yeah. This idea that you go back in, in, in time and you visit your earlier self. Because I think back to when I was a kid. Good Lord, I was probably the biggest punk. I mean, I think back. I was a jerk. And I would love to go back and try to set myself straight. Oh, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm a jerk the, now. So maybe, Kelly Wan, your kid self could move forward in time and talk to you and now. talk to me. Yeah. But wouldn't but, I have remembered that happening and then it didn't work? It would be cloudy. Your memory would be cloudy about that. Until the very second. <laughs> yeah. So he has no memory of English. Uh, and and uh, I did like, like even though, again, it made no sense, uh, but I loved how horribly gruesome the scene was with the grown-up Paul Dano. Like, I like how they introduced this idea that you can communicate with your older self by scarring yourself or something. And I loved how gruesome that was with the torturing of paul dano but again you know if why didn't you know why did they shoot him yeah why were they and didn't paul dano end up because the loop would still be the loop would still be open what if he doesn't make it what if they like he barely made it as it was because they'd cut him up so much that he was staggering around the street so it's like aren't they fucking up aren't they going to cause a paradox if he gets never mind the thing is i'm totally willing to accept what the movie wanted me to do and that is don't think about it too much. I mean, I kind of appreciated a couple of times the movie was almost playfully saying, don't think about this too much. Yeah, but then so, it replaced it with telekinetic kid. So it's like. <laughs> but I did appreciate how it played with it, with this idea of mutilating Paul Dano so that his future self, his limbs vanish. I mean, it was goofy in the same way as the Polaroid and Back to the Future, you know, that kind of silly time travel conceit. Uh, but I loved how gruesome that was. I really appreciated that. Uh, I, I dug that part of the, the time loop stuff. Um uh, okay, so can, let me let me bring up this second issue that really kept me from enjoying the movie, uh, and I'd be curious what you guys think about this. I didn't see the trailers for this, of course. I, I don't normally watch trailers, and I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I definitely would have caught this if I'd seen the trailer. I could not get over what the heck they were doing with Joseph Gordon-Levitt's face. That yeah. makeup, and I assumed, obviously there's a lot of CG involved, it looked so awful to me. It, it it just was down in the depths of Polar Express weirdness. Or no, what's that Zemeckis thing? Is that Polar Express? Yeah. yeah. It, uh, it, you know, and those contact lenses he was wearing and the makeup on his eyebrows. Um, it was all uh, Jeff and Tron Legacy. Exactly, exactly. But but you know what? Worse, because at least then we knew it was Jeff Bridges. I think that the most valuable asset an actor has to offer is his face. Uh, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt has this expressive, likable face. I love watching the guy, even in movies that aren't very good, that I don't like so much. Uh, he's just a, he's a fantastic, very watchable actor. And I thought Ryan Johnson covering up his face to make him look like Bruce Willis was just a fundamental misreading of what an actor brings to a movie. And I couldn't get over it. Uh, it just was so distracting to me. Uh, I just felt like I was watching him like wince and do and the CG. You know, it it seemed like it was starring maybe a third of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's face and not Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, I just hated that stuff. It really bugged me. Um, so, I didn't see that he didn't look that much like Bruce Willis. Like it wasn't an effect worth the expense. Did it? Was it a distraction for you, Kelly Wand, or could you buy into it? It was a distraction, but I don't, it seemed worse than nothing. Like, why? I, I genuinely would have rather had nothing, I think. I genuinely would have rather just sucked it up. Because here's the thing. We know what 
Bruce Willis looks like when he, you know, that guy's right. been around forever. We've all seen Moonlighting and Die Hard, and, uh, you know, that was not <laughs> what Bruce Willis looked like when he was that or age. Or sound like. They have totally different voice styles. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Dingus, how did that, was that a distraction for you? Because it, it's my same thing with watching an actor in a goofy hat. You know what? I like <laughs> actors' faces. I want to see their eyes. At least I can see his eyes here. But actually, no, you couldn't see his eyes because of the freaking contact lenses. Uh, it bothered me the way that goofy hats bother me sometimes. And I know, Dingus, you can get past that better than I can. How did you feel about this makeup thing, the CG makeup thing? Face hat. Uh, I think it is such a bold choice. Uh, and, you know, I think there are a couple moments, uh, like uh, in the two or three times we see him waiting for, uh, you know, whether it's waiting for the uh, the meditating bald Bruce Willis to show up on the white tarp or the um, the hooded Bruce Willis to show up on the tarp, where the makeup looks really makeup-y. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I think it's a hugely bold choice, and I, I cannot criticize it because I was so critical, and for good reason, I think, of that ridiculous casting choice in Prometheus of having Guy Pierce as an old man, <laughs> which is a bunch of old man makeup piled onto what is obviously a young, vibrant person. And one of the things they're going for here, and I think it really pays off, is he did he he could have done that. And they, they discussed that idea of, of, well, we could just do age makeup on me and have me play myself and do this whole me against me kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he really wanted and and he was in on this this isn't ryan johnson putting something on him this is joseph gordon levitt really wanting to do this um he wanted that actor to bring experience so that when that when that when the actor he's sitting across from calls him boy it it has weight to it there's a weight of experience there and um and i believe that really pays off i i I understand what you're saying about having a hard time seeing through that and and it's all makeup it's it's things that they no 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 way no i mean i know it I know it was a prosthetic process, but there was a, there was definitely CG involved in that. It glowed, kind of. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't know this for for a fact. I mean, I just looked. I was actually specifically looking at some of the credits to see if maybe like there's a house credited for his. I, I mean, I know there was a prosthetic process, but there was also a lot of CG in there as well, Dingus. Okay, uh-huh. uh, so they did stuff to his lip, his nose, his eyebrows, and his eyes. And this is one of the things I heard from the guy sitting behind me after the movie too. Um, uh, and he would have to sit in the makeup chair for like three or four hours right. a day before going in and to have all this makeup put on him. And uh, I totally understand what you're saying about the silly hat syndrome. But uh, I I just have to say that, that an actor willing to do that, an actor willing to cover up his face, and I've seen plenty of performances of actors who disfigured or cover, covered up their faces or were under makeup or were doing CG, you know, for instance, Rise of Planet of the Apes, or uh, any of the stuff Andy Serkis does in Gollum, that are still excellent performances because the soul and the power of the actor still comes through. And I still think that's true. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is doing weird things with his voice. He's really trying very hard to ape the cadence of Bruce Willis. He's doing a weird kind of uh, urban accent kind of a thing, like uh, like a, a New Yorker or a mob kind of a guy. And I love all of that stuff. So so while I, I respect what you're saying, Tom, I... I I can't really let it get in the way of what I really loved about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. What if, what, then how about Bruce Willis? Because I, I almost was thinking, well, dadgummit, it's, it's only because Bruce Willis was in this. You know, we had to have, he's like the more famous guy, so they've got to skew to him. Um, and I, 
I wasn't that fond of Bruce Willis either. You know, that's a really good point. And and when I was – the thing that would annoy me is, well, gee, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is driving this movie, so get an actor who's willing to change his face to look like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Right, right. Um, <laughs> why do we need Bruce Willis other than box office? Exactly. Yeah. I don't know what he brings to it, but I don't know who else you cast. Daniel Day-Lewis, of course. Uh, of course, yeah. We, we kind of <laughs> talked a, about this a little bit, I think, when we did uh, Moonrise Kingdom. But I think your your point here is sound. I don't know that Bruce Willis adds that much. And, it, it, it you know, again, seeing this made me feel bad about saying that about Moonrise Kingdom because, I mean, I, I, I he's not phoning it in here as he is, like, on that stupid uh, Reds thing. Uh, what else do we say, Bruce Willis? Red, right. Uh, I mean, Bruce Willis is, uh, you, you know, like I said, that diner scene, I really like that. I wanted more of that. But ultimately, I did feel like it, it was mainly a Joseph Gordon-Levitt performance, so it was a little unfair that because Bruce Willis is the box office draw, is the famous guy, that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the one that has to be under makeup. I honestly would have rather have said, you know what, Bruce? We're going to make you wear makeup this time. Uh, if you want to be in this movie, we're going to cover you up, and we're going to use your name, but uh, your face gets to be covered up. Because uh, just he's the, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the stronger actor here. Uh but I can see Joseph Gordon-Levitt being the kind of actor who says, look, I'll do this if we can get him on board. Right, right. Because what is this, a $30 million movie, $35 million movie? Are you serious? Yeah, they didn't spend a, they didn't wow. spend a lot. Wait, anyway. why do you want someone playing your character besides you? You want someone that will sell tickets. I mean, this yeah, is... he's going to upstage you. I don't think I, you know, I, I think to Joseph Gordon Levin, Joseph Gordon Levitt's credit, I don't, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's that worried about it. I mean, you know, he does a movie like Hesher. What does he care? Uh, uh, he's in, he was in three pretty successful movies this. Well, I don't know if this one's going to be successful. He was in a couple of pretty good successful movies. Yeah. Uh, uh. You know, I, you know, I think you're right. I, I mean, the the moments that I thought Bruce Willis brought something was when he's lying on the hammock with the. Uh, the Asian girl and stroking her hair. I mean, I felt like there's there's a little bit of soul there, but the other stuff. You know, and and I, I I kind of resent the fact that it feels like because we have Bruce Willis, we have to have a Pulp Fiction. He's going to shoot the place up. Scene. Oh God, yes, thank you, Dingus. Oh my God, that was horrible. <laughs> I thought it was almost like a joke. Like I was like, are they are they taking a piss? Is this supposed to be funny? <laughs> He just, like, reaches in the door and plucks down a few submachine guns for good measure. I was like, really? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Was he set up as that kind of guy? Yeah, well, you he's know, a, he's, a, he's, he's a guy who just shits in a cornfield and shoots a guy who comes out of the time continuum. Well, you do get from the montage. Uh, yeah, what Tom is going to say. Yeah, well, you get from the montage this sense that he has lived a badass life of doing heists and I, I, whatever. I mean, well, the why has he got a loop? I mean, it seems like the easy money. I don't know. Uh, well, does yeah. I don't, well, also, here's a question: Did I not see a sequence where Joseph Gordon-Levitt shoots him? Do you yeah. guys know what I'm talking about? What what was going on there? What did I miss? That's that's giving you the reality that brings him back to this moment. So what we have here is um, no seriously. This this is because Bruce Willis has to come back from somewhere. Okay, and so this is. The way he gets back here is the alternate reality of him, of Joe closing the loop. 
So Joe closes the loop and lives the next 30 years as any looper does after he's been paid off. Okay. So you see year one, year six, year 10, year 23, year 30. That's the life he's led. Uh, because he actually closed the loop the original time. And then when he gets to that point, he remembers, this is what happened, I'm not going to let it happen this time. And it changes because of that. So the first time, okay, after, we, it's sort of a flashback, it's a little weird editing, after, after Joe falls from the uh, fire escape and crashes into the car, we get this vision right, right. of how, how it actually happened so that Bruce Willis could come back here. It's again like this future perfect tense kind of a thing. It, it is and so the actual time it happened is there was no checking of the watch, there was none of that. It was just the normal looper closing his loop and he doesn't know what he's doing. So the idea is he's lived these thirty years and he gets to that thirty year point and he says, No, I'm not gonna let this happen and that changes this other reality. I think I understand. Kelly Wan, did that help you? That's what she said? <laughs> no, I think that makes sense, because I, I thought I saw that. I wasn't sure if I saw it. I'm not sure why I saw it, but now hearing you explain it, Dingus. Dingus, you did a far better job than Shane Carruthers. <laughs> Thank you so much. I thought it was somebody else's body. Well, I was wondering, too, if that was something that was going to be explained. But, yeah, I think Dingus is right, is we have to see it play out normally first so that Bruce Willis slash Joseph Gordon-Levitt can get to year 30 and then come back around. But he knows it's coming from having done it. Well, I guess that's what does happen. That's what Dingus is saying, right? Yeah. Well, this is when we even... start to get do diagrams with straws, because yeah. then you think, well, if the Rainmaker, who creates the Rainmaker? Well, if he doesn't show up, then the Rainmaker can't be created. And if this happens, then how does he come back? And it wouldn't it's, have happened. And, the, and that's why the screenwriter, and that's why these time travel movies are so frustrating, is the screenwriter kind of has to pat you on the head and say, right. uh, like Jeff Daniels says in that one scene, I can't talk about this time travel shit. I mean, I mean, they they all they he says it a couple times to us, which I don't think is an excuse, and I don't think lets you off the hook as a screenwriter. Whoa, what? I have, I have picked up the cat. Sorry, okay. Tom's cat. Tom, would you pick it up by what part of the body? I'm just holding him here in my lap. He's just wanting some attention. So TMI. Uh, don't, don't distract from the podcast with my cat. That's his job. Uh, so um, did you like Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this, in spite of the makeup, or not like was, him at all? Was he in that? <laughs> uh, no, I did not. I mean, it really did feel like he was doing a Bruce Willis impression under the makeup, and uh, it was impacting his ability to connect with um, with Emily Blunt. And uh, no, I, I did not care for him. I mean, you know what? I like watching him. I mean, I, I, he's good. I'm not saying he wasn't good. It's just that I, it really made it where I couldn't appreciate his performance. Um, I just felt that it was, it was too much in the way. Um, so Dingus, Kelly, Kelly yeah, didn't uh, like the kid. Did you like the little kid? I did, yeah. I, I really love when a little kid can be like precocious convincingly, and that kid was so creepy. Like, once it, it came time for him to be scary, screamy, telekinetic kid, I didn't care for that. But I, I just like watching little kids... Uh, sort of doing adult behaviors like it's always like weird and fascinating to watch you have so issues. i thought that little kid was, was weirdly fascinating um did you dingus i i quite liked him but i was aware of him as an actor in a way for instance i was not aware of that with quivenjene wallace right in um beasts of the southern wild you definitely have the feeling that you're watching a kid who has been on tv 
Yeah, uh, you, you can see his headshot in your mind as he's doing this. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And I, but I, uh, the same way that you said that when he sits, when he when he calls Joe into the kitchen and he's building stuff and he has that very adult conversation with him, that kind of uh, hooks me. And those looks, like he was given little adult looks. Like this is a kid with a really reactive face. He knows how to be expressive, and uh, yeah, I find that fascinating. Um, here's also always happy to have a Garrett Dillahunt appearance. Yeah. I, I quite enjoyed that. I just love that guy. That guy, whether he's playing an idiot or a genius or a rube, or I just love watching that guy. And what a great scene that was, too. Um, I love how it plays out, too, how he's there and the kid like the, mimes that shooting yeah. thing. And, uh, and Joe goes, no, I'm not going to do that. And then you get a payoff when they're in the tunnel where he says, I, I, I know this man. He's a good yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Kelly Wan, did you was that enough Garrett Dillahunt for you, or did you need more? The guy from Tron Legacy. What? <laughs> Is he thinking of James Frayne? No, Frayne. What's that guy's name? Tron Legacy. James Fox. Frayne. Is what you <laughs> how you remember it? Is, is that the guy's name in Tron Legacy? He's Legend? thinking James of Garrett Frayne. Headland. Oh, jeez, no. Uh-huh. He's thinking of Bo Garrett. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Bo Garrett, very nice. Touche, touche. <laughs> Oh, mm. uh, okay, now, Dingus, explain the invisible cigarette scene. Go. Uh, that's her TKing. She's TKing a cigarette. <laughs> that's, how do you TK a cigarette? That makes no sense, Dingus. <laughs> well, she usually would force guys not to be able to light their cigarettes, and then they'd be, like, busting an eye socket to try to light their own cigarettes. <laughs> Dingus, or uh, what's your name, Kelly Wand? Kelly Wand, how did you feel about the invisible cigarette scene? Busting an eye socket. She talked about uh, the one guy trying so hard to get the quarter up uh, that he burst a blood vessel in his eye. You don't remember? Oh, that? the quarter up. One, two, three. La, 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 la. We got one eighty to three. I'm caught between. One, two, three. We don't want to be. I mean. Uh, all right. So a little bit of a three, a two, one split on, uh, on Looper. I'm going to give this one to Dingus. Dingus, congratulations. You won the podcast this week. It's the greatest movie I've ever seen. Thanks for showing me the way. Uh, Kelly Wan, what is this week's 3x3? What do you have for us? You made fun of me for this. Oh, I'm not done. There's going to be more of that. (laughs) What's that from, Tom? Is that one of your... Uh, It's three quotes from movies with better quotes. So these are the quotes that aren't any good. That um, and you know how to sell that. All right. Well, you know, I'm not, I don't have to sell it. I'm not trying to pitch the lines. That's not the three by three I bought. I want to say. Oh, I'm just trying to be honest on the box. You know, trying to like infiltrate from within. Uh, all right. So it was. Dingus, how do you how do you remember it? How do I remember him? He said it was underrated quotes from oft quoted movies. I thought he said underquoted. I did not hear underrated, which I, I'm not saying he didn't say that. But uh, all right, all right. Wait, what's the enough. difference? Ah, well, you know what? Let's find out. Um, are we going to find out? Or are you just teasing me? We are because Dingus has his three by three. I have mine. Kelly Wand, you have whatever you came up with. We'll have runners up, and then we'll have uh, what some. Listeners. Wait, are you intimating that I was unable to come up with three? <laughs> well, you know what? We will find out, won't we? We will find out. 
Dingus, you start us off. Uh, how do you feel about this uh, topic, and what do you have for your number three? Maybe you give us another quote from the movie other than the one you picked. I don't know how you did it this week, Dingus. I will eventually give you another quote from the movie other than the one I picked, but if I gave you another quote from the movie, then you would know what movie. Ah, and it's, it's an off-quoted movie, movie, right. Exactly. And So I tried to choose... Uh, movies that people quote all the time but a couple of quotes i like and because i like quoting things so much i like quotes that i can use in everyday life even if people don't know what the hell i'm talking about so i was able to do this with three and two and then i just gave up on one and just chose a movie i liked and picked a quote from it i liked all right so what is your number three pick all right here's my number three pick here's the quote the underrated quote in question is that could have been better all right, I got to write these down. That <laughs> so that could have been, or that could have gone. No, it's a bit. Ah, okay. Do you know what I'm talking about, Tom? Of course. I, I think I'm going to know all of yours, Dingus. I mean, when you know somebody well enough, you know all their quotes. Uh, you guys have issues. So this is obviously so this is a, a Paul Reiser line, if I'm not mistaken. Oh right? yes, very good. Yeah. Right. And I thought it was gone too, but then I watched it again. And he said that could have been better. So this is indeed an off-quoted movie. Uh, what give? What is the quote you would give us? I don't think you can give a quote from that movie. Well, maybe you can. What's the quote from that? From that very scene that I would I would use is is did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? <laughs> Doesn't that start with I'm sorry, ma'am? Did IQs just drop soft, sharply while I'm away? Does it? Doesn't she call yeah. the woman, ma'am? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Wait, what could have been better again? Forget what he said. Well, uh, this is um, this is Ripley, of course, giving her uh, deposition. It's not a deposition. It's it's kind of a it's an invoice. Not an invoice. It's in the movie Aliens, and she's in the um, inquest. It's like an inquest Thank for the corporation. You. See, I almost do. And um, and uh, Paul Reiser's brought her in here so that she can give her in at the inquest, and she goes nuts, and she does this great moment, and I hadn't seen it. Uh, because I remember Tom describing it. It might have been in um, non-fake gestures or hand <laughs> thing <laughs> when when she grabs the papers, and I never noticed it until now. But this just this extra is like hand is like give me those papers because the extra is that. committed to the performance. The extra is playing somebody who doesn't want their papers screwed up. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and reaches out for the papers when she picks them up. That's a great bit of uh, it's a great non-fake gesture. Yeah. You messed up my papers. Where's my rubber band? So uh, I love that moment, and and so she. See, Dingus, uh, by the way, I just know what you just quoted. Another movie that I know that uh, you just quoted. End of watch. While talking about aliens, very good, Dingus. Double points for you. So so she freaks out, and they 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 uh, they the the guy in charge. Um, sentences her to like three weeks of psychometrics, whatever that is. Wow. <laughs> I didn't remember that. That's good. And Paul Reiser sidles up next to her and goes, "That could have been better." Um, so uh, there's, uh, I think alien so psychometrics is what he's referring to. <laughs> ah, you got the psychometrics verdict. Aliens may be one of the most quotable movies ever uh, ever made, and so I I had to try to try to think of something that uh, wasn't. Any of the quotes I would know, and Tom nailed it. So I, that, uh, I actually failed on my number three. Ah, well, so I consider your number two and your number one a challenge. We'll see how that goes. Right. All right, for my number three, uh, and this whole thing, Kelly, I have no idea what you want. This is one of those three by threes where I think you have something you want to bring up, but I don't. And this is your no. sort of circuitous way to get around to it. 
I don't uh, know where you're going or why this is a topic or what you're looking for. So I just literally am choosing three underquoted lines from overquoted movies. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't have much of an opinion on these. I'm just choosing things. At random. Uh, uh, they're not at random. I, uh, you know, I didn't like throw them out of a hat. I thought them up. Um, oh, well, that's not at random. Although the thought was random, wasn't it? I think the three by three is a little random itself. Not <laughs> so the number, the here's my number. random uh, number three underquoted line from an overquoted movie. You don't hear many people when they quote Jaws saying, "Chief Brody, you are uptight." <laughs> there you go. There's my number three, Chief Kelly Warren. Chief Brody. <laughs> Why that particular line? You have to explain that. I don't know. You'll have to ask the people that don't quote it because I just quoted it. So. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's a little bit of a sexy Lorraine Gary. You, you, you don't hit, get a you'd lot. You hit that. Were you I, hot for Lorraine Gary when you were a kid? Lorraine Gary is a she you know, first. No, there's a. She's got a very maternal quality in Jaws. But you know they do have their little uh, let's get drunk and fool around scene. Well, because Hooper bangs are in the book. So hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, that's the book. That's not canon. No, I know, but totally not canon. You think right. Dreyfus went Lorraine Gary? Fuck that. Change the script, Stephen. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think it's better for the story uh, if I don't fuck her. <laughs> That's terrible. Huh, Steve? <laughs> he called him Steve, I read somewhere. Yeah. Yes. All you. right, so there's my number three pick. Kelly One, what is your number three pick for an underquoted line from an overquoted? I may need your help for this one. It's my best one, actually. But okay. it's also from Jaws, and it's when that guy in the boat goes, Hey, you kid, something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's telling him to tie that off, I think. Isn't that part of Do the Do it. How does he say it? I don't know, but it's about it's before he's about to get uh, his leg bit off. Right. Uh, so his last words are, hey, you kids, tie off. It's something like that. That might even be, yeah. It might be like a peas and carrots, peas and carrots, peas and carrots kind of thing. Like he might just be like muttering syllables and it's muted enough where you can't tell. People talked back in 1975. I think it does involve tying something off. I don't know. I also like the uh, where Hooper's. I almost did where Hooper's tying the knot for Quint. He's like, well, he didn't say how long you wanted it. He's doing his non-faked physical gesture of tying the knot. That was my number one. Thanks, asshole. It's, it's not. It is. It's been a while since I had to pass basic seamanship. And you didn't say how long you wanted it. <laughs> that is not your number one, Kelly Wand. No. All right. All right. So uh, let's see. Where are we then? Oh, is it your turn, Kelly? One, did you go? <laughs> oh, that was it. So, hey, you hey, kid, you kids. something over there, and yeah, and then yeah, mama. So that's why it's not quoted because you don't even know what the line is. No one does. All right. It's like a uh, prince changing his name to an arcane symbol. <laughs> All right, good. Is that so, really your choice? A line that that he doesn't even know. Yeah. I hate both of you. <laughs> hey, Dingus is the only one actually doing your topic so far, Kelly. One, you should not. No. I know the line, and you can watch it and go, oh, that's the line he means. I don't have to actually say it right. All right. Just because I don't know physics doesn't mean I can't explain physics to you. Just because you've never been to China doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Ah, That's so racist. (laughs) Kelly, I'm from the future. You should go to China. (laughs) That was a great line. (laughs) Although that that might be oft-quoted. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to see after Looper's (laughs) Dingus, what is your number two pick for an underquoted line from an overquoted movie? <laughs> uh, you know what? I did pick the topic just so I could hear Tom say it. And have to say 
right, here's the, here's the line in question. I don't think I'm quite familiar with that phrase. All right, hang on. I have to write this down. Oh, I'm not going to know this one. Wow. Don't. Oh, oh, it's got to be. It sounds like you're doing a with nail and I. I ain't run. Is it a with nail and I quote, Dingus? It's not, although I thought I should have watched that to try to glean something from that movie. But uh, no, it is not. It is more It is more widely quoted than with nail and I would have. Because you almost sound like you're trying to do like Richard Iode or something. Ah, very good. No, I'm I'm actually trying to do Chris Sarandon. Oh, The Hunger? Fright Night. Hunger is very quoted. Wait, wait, what movie is Chris Sarandon in that's widely quoted? This is what... What? He, he plays a character named Prince Humperdinck. Oh, good lord. That is Chris Sarandon, isn't it? Wow. Yep. So this is Princess Bride, and uh, Princess Bride has a ton of uh, quotable quotes in it that people are always uh, spouting off. And this is in a scene where uh, Wesley is in bed and can't move. Uh, he's still uh, slightly dead. And Chris Sarandon comes charging into the room and says and, cha- and challenges him to a duel to the death. And Wesley says, no, to the pain. And Chris Sarandon says, I don't think I'm quite familiar with that phrase. And I choose this because I could use this in my real life. (laughs) All right, we look forward to hearing that, Dickus. I don't think you do. Actually, I do. Who would you say that to? You're familiar with every phrase I've ever heard. Let's say, for instance, you know what? Let's if Dingus hears a quote that he doesn't recognize, he could then roll out that quote. It could be like quotes of the quotes. You never Uh, know. Anytime uh, you mention Human Centipede Four, for instance, I would probably say that quote. Dingus, let's see if your quote would apply. Let's see if your quote would apply to what I'm about to say for my number two pick. Are you ready for this? Yes. So, so cue it up, Dingus. Get, have it in the chamber in case you have to use it. Here we go. So this is my underquoted line from an overquoted movie. My number two pick is, let's just say we'd like to avoid any imperial entanglements. <laughs> you may fire when ready. Oh, Dingus, think oh, of it. Crap. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So you we'd... do get that. You know what's weird, Tom? My what? first two are both from the same movies as yours. No, you're just picking whatever I pick. No, I swear to God. Pick. I swear to sure, God. Sure. Well, so I guess that means you know also that, that would be Star Wars. Weird, oh, no, never mind. I was thinking. So is it Star Wars? That's your number two pick, Kelly Wan? Then what's yeah, the line? My- yeah, what's an so underquoted line from Star Wars? Because they're hard to find. I know, I found one. You and ready? can you actually say the line, or are you just going to sort of approximate the syllables, the cadence of the line? <laughs> I don't appreciate that. And it's in bocce, so I can't say it. Okay. Uh, Shut your fucking so far, animals up. We're, we're being pretty faithful to the um, non-fake physical gestures as well. <laughs> Wait, what did you just say? Could you please non-fake repeat that? Physical. I don't think I'm quite familiar with that phrase. I have to... Uh, I hate everything. All right. <laughs> My number two quote is when C-3PO goes, no more adventures in Star Wars. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, let's see, where are we? Dingus, what is your number one underquoted line in an <laughs> overquoted movie? <laughs> Tom gave me a, a very good rating for that. So I won. So I see it. 
All right, this is a movie that should be overquoted, but isn't. Uh, hey, wait you're, a minute. You're violating the rules then. Yeah. yeah. Hey, don't break my topic, Dingus. I crafted this from the finest mahogany. I totally agree. Here's the quote. With you behind me, I'd have to tie one eye up, watching both of your hands. I can't spare it. Is he doing one of those old, like, Philip Marlowe black and white detective movies again? Oh, I like where you're going, Tom. That's excellent. Black and white movies, Tom. Just classifies every one of them. (laughs) I don't know, Dingus. Give us what's what's a quote we might be more inclined. What's a quote we might hear more frequently from this movie? All right. Here's here's a quote you might recognize. The ape blows or I clam. Oh, oh, that I was even going to suggest that, but uh, oh. very, very topical. Now he's doing a little brick. Yeah, a little brick. So that's this is brick, and that's uh, that. That quote is from the the scene Tom referenced. Actually, that wonderful scene in, well, not in the basement, but in at Mom's dining room table when Mom gives him cereal and gives him juice. Uh, but uh, but this particular quote is. Um, him, him being Brandon, of course, uh, after he's had the fight with Brad Bramish and Laura comes up to him and tries to get on his good side. And he's just telling Laura, look, I can't trust you. And she keeps coming after him. No, no, you were great. And he says, I can't trust you. And then he gives this wonderful line that there's no way you could ever quote it. But I just love the line so freaking much. There's, a, there's so many lines in this movie that I could give you. And it's not an oft quoted movie, except I think it should be, so I apologize, Kelly One, for breaking it. It's cool. All right, well, Kelly One, I'm not going to break your topic with my number one pick. You ready for this? I don't accept your apology, then. Well, hear the line first and then decide. And I'm going to do it. I'm even going to try to do it in the right voice. You ready for this? <clears throat> How do you know so much about swallows? <laughs> How? See what I did? Do <laughs> You. Because you don't know what movie that is. That's obscure. <laughs> Nobody quotes that line. It's Deep Throat. <laughs> oh, Kelly Wan. Oh, How soon. Wow. I should have queued up the Britney Spears. I knew from the that. accent. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No. Nope. Okay. You guys don't know? There's it's no from, dialogue in that. It's from Holy Grail. It's what? a Python movie. Yep. yep. It's just called Holy Grail. It's the it's the punchline at the end of the whole. Actually, it's not the punchline because uh, the King Arthur guy. Uh, who's the one playing King Arthur, by the way? Graham it's not Eric Idle. Oh, it is Graham Chapman. Okay, good. Because uh, Graham Chapman closes with something like, "Oh, you you have to know a lot to be a king," or something like that. And that's like the punchline for that whole three questions at the peril of gorge, the gorge of peril scene, or, or whatever. Um, that's all set up by the the coconuts when they go up to the castle and they're talking about sending messages. Oh, you know what? You're right, Dingus. I should probably watch the whole movie again before quoting something. Yeah, because I didn't no understand the full implication of the swallow joke. I'd forgotten about all that stuff. So they have, wait, a whole long, they have a whole long conversation about different swallows from different areas and stuff. So and that, that that's before the bit where the the bridge keeper asks him about the swallow speed. It's at the beginning. Oh, so I sense. missed all the context for the joke. It's like I didn't even fully appreciate the backstory. You just skipped Man. to the bridge scene because you heard that was the, the good part. I, I just people who quote Monty Python, it just drives me crazy. That's just leave it to the professionals. That's my opinion on Monty Python quotes. Uh, so I just was looking for a random quote, and I didn't even appreciate the deep context that it has in the movie. Um, I just uh, I just put a quote from that on Facebook this week. So there. 
Oh, I should I should try this Facebook thing so I can enjoy that. Oh, well, there's a friend Facebook. of mine was talking about witches. So. Oh, she turned me into a newt. See, see what I can see. I can do it. I'll yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to hear more about Dingus's story about witches, please. <laughs> like I just wrote on if she weighs the same as a duck, then oh uh, no, never mind. <laughs> see what you I get, they want. Yeah, I wanted. I agree, to I agree with the music. Kelly one, what is your number one pick for an underquoted line from an overquoted movie? All right, I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to guess it. Ready? <clears throat> These fish have manners. Hmm. A fish called Wanda. No. Let me do it again. Okay. These fish have manners. Incredible Mr. Limpet. No, let me do it again. These Find fish have manners. Finding These me. fish have manners. No. Shark tail. No. These fish have manners. Yeah, I don't, Dingus, can you these guess? Fish have manners. Do you know it? Dingus? Fish have manners. Dingus, these fish have I, manners. Is this from End of Watch? No, it's from Jerry Maguire. What? He says that's one of his things he says when he quits his job. And then he takes the fish with him. Ah, yes, right. And Jerry Maguire, of course, very frequently quoted. Very frequently. Always here. You know, you had me at hello. That's such uh, a good thing. What else? Uh, All he had to say was hello, and she wanted to fuck him. Show me the fish. Show me the fish. Right, yeah, that's from Jerry Maguire. I don't even uh, understand. You can't handle the truth, also from Jerry Maguire. Mm. Um, you make me want to be a better man. Jerry Maguire, absolutely. Jerry Maguire. Absolutely. Force uh, be with you, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> I think that's the whole set. Or lose me forever. Yeah, uh, I'm a godfather, Jerry Maguire. Uh, any runners-up, gentlemen? I don't have any, because those are the only three underquoted lines from overquoted movies that I could come up with in the time allotted. I, I have one runner-up. Yes, Dingus. Uh, you know, you're the rudest man. The rudest man. Yeah, but what's your runner-up? I <laughs> <laughs> See what I did? <laughs> <laughs> you're the rudest man the rudest man that's got to be star wars it's like prince that's something princess leia says to han solo <laughs> <laughs> that's flirtatious the second time um how about how about this one system. yeah uh they're filming midgets oh you see Ambrose is not quoted often enough to do that though yeah that's why it, well, it didn't make my list but um but when the american fat tourist yells at him you're the rudest man the rudest man and then she calls when Brendan Gleeson shows up and tries to help them, and she calls him a motherfucker. <laughs> That's great. You know, we should do a three by three of American tourist appearances because now I'm thinking of the American tourist accosting Peter Capaldi in In the Loop, who plays uh, Malcolm Tucker. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, one, can you put that in as one of your three by threes instead of underquoted lines from overquoted movies next time? I should have just done all Jaws, but then they're all quotable. I almost just did all Star Wars quotes, because I know you guys love talking Star Wars. Hmm. This is a boring conversation. Anyway. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> all right, Kelly Wan, let's go to our reader submissions. Uh, what do we have that readers submitted? They uh, usually write better things than we do. Well, let's see. What do, what do we have this week? Am I supposed to read the ones that came in first, or do I go backwards in time, like in Looper? Kelly Wan, there's no need to peer into the sausage factory. Just switch. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I didn't. I, I realized what I was saying as I was saying it. Uh, just, just give us what you got in whatever order. Uh, it's totally. Wait, do I read the lines control. or do I say who they're from? Tell you what, you were in charge of this segment. Whatever you like, you, you I have. I forgot what you did last there. week. All right, all right. Uh, Paul uh, Weimer. I, mm -hmm. What? Go ahead. 
were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I just... Weimer. I, I went Sorry. down the list, and I just uh, oh, read Weimer. some of them verbatim, and uh, the other ones I just read, because uh, some of the folks had some nice things they wanted to say, and I thought it would be nice to read those as well. So, But it's totally up to you. Paul Weimer writes, I know I don't need to do three, but I feel I should. So he writes... He does this, hey, he does the same movies we do. It's like we've only everyone's only seen the same three movies. End quotes. <laughs> I, I think overquoted does bring to mind very specific movies, unless you're Dingus and want to throw brick in there. Uh, yeah, he hated the topic so much. All right, anyway, either I'm going to kill her or I'm beginning to like her. It's Han Solo. You know, he's talking about mm-hmm. right. Uh, Tyrone, you know how much I love watching you work, but I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilder to frame for it. I'm swamped. Princess Pride. Yeah. I didn't realize you were supposed to guess. Oh. <laughs> Come see the violence inherent in the system. Help, help, I'm being repressed. I swear to God, that's what he wrote. Isn't that weird? That's a little, uh, is that like Brian or is that, is that uh, Holy no. Grail? That is Holy Grail. Grail. Okay, so, good, good. I can do that whole scene for you if you guys want. Um, let's do after we stop record, then we'll hear that dingus. <laughs> okay, good. By the way, only a couple people wrote into this one as opposed to last week, so it's like no one liked it. They kind of agree with you. Like, uh, that's not necessarily true. Mm, they went fuck that. I'm just going to listen. I'm not going <laughs> to contribute. It's uh, possible they haven't seen Dread yet. Exactly. Oh, Dread. See, Dread was way better than uh, Looper. Anything. PG-13 pick from Scott McNeil is That's when you know you found somebody special When you can just shut the fuck up for a minute And comfortably enjoy the silence Pulp Fiction No What? Oh yeah, sorry (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was the actor's name And then the R pick is I haven't been fucked like that since grade school Fight Club That's a a pretty oft-quoted quote I don't think that's the quote I think it's about uh, having your abortions Ah, see, yeah, it's quoted, and it even has a little mythology behind it as well. So I'm afraid, Kelly, one can we can we uh, like disqualify a reader submission? Is that allowed? Yeah. Who sent that in? Who was that? Scott McNeil. Scott McNeil, thank you so much for emailing us, but we're only going to accept half of your submission. I'm afraid. <laughs> wait, the other two. Wait, he sent in three. Oh, he's got more. Okay, good. So he can. Okay, so so at this point, uh, Scott McNeil is one for one. Wait, those were three. And you you stomped on one of them, so he's two thirds of for them. one. Yes, let's hear. Wait, that doesn't sound right either. I just I don't think you're getting the fraction involved. <laughs> it's sixty six percent, not two for one. Hold on, let me do some math. All right, on, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> uh, I give Scott McNeil's email a ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, finally we're on the same page. Greg Ambrose writes that his name is Pogue Mahone. And his number three is, we really shook the pillars of heaven, didn't we, Wang? Is that Big Trouble in Little China? Yeah. Nice! Wow, I like that one. Very good. Are we allowed to say their names? Yes. I I presume if you you email us and you don't want us to read your name, let us know. But uh, otherwise, I'm assuming it's okay for folks. Wait, you didn't know that? Didn't we work this out? I was just asking a question. Wait a I minute. Only know, I only know I, worlds are colliding right now. I know him as Pokemon. This one's not a real quote. I think it's safe to assume it isn't a zombie. Mm. What movies? I don't recognize that one. I mean, it could be any number of things. That's when Harry met Sally right after they go to bed. 
<laughs> I'll have I'll what like she's it. having. <laughs> uh, so oh, yeah, Greg. What, what does Greg say that movie? Is? What movie is that from? It's from Alien. It says it's a discussion between Ash and Ripley and Alien. She wants to hunt it down and burst out of Kane's chest, but Ash wants to capture it. And Ripley says it bled acid, so who knows what it'll do when it's dead? And then he goes, "I think it's safe to assume it isn't a zombie." Good lord, that does not sound... I don't remember that line at no, all. No, that can't be the line. There's no way I wouldn't remember that line. And I totally don't. Alright, so already uh, Scott McNeil's submission... Now, this is Greg Ambrose. I know, I was going to say, um, already Scott McNeil. Any objections had to Scott McNeil's uh, emails? Completely acceptable compared to what Greg Ambrose is trying to get away with. But now I'm curious. They, 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 don't, they can't reference a zombie and alien. It's like An android space. references it, too. He's not an, an android's ant- program to make a zombie. He's joke. not an android. He's an artificial person or a replicant. What's Pinocchio? Well, and Ash is saying it, so maybe it is. I don't know. Wow, that would be that. That would that's maybe he's stuff. just being. You know, Tom had a, a really good um, thing where where Ash does this look at Ripley when he's explaining uh, micro changes yes. in yeah. identity. I remember that and part. Maybe maybe he's right. Maybe it's just Ash being a dick. He is a dick, but I don't remember him knowing zombies, making zombie jokes in the 500 years from now. He too. also is a, a goddamn robot. Well, what's the yeah, line that a... precedes it? Do you know? Uh, she goes, it bled acid, who knows what it'll do when it's dead. Which sounds like a Ripley line. She's always like, bad news expected around the corner character. Uh, well, I, can't have... it, I think it must be the line, and I love Ash now. <laughs> For saying the line that this guy... Greg well, and we've we've had conversations with the fellow with Greg who sent this in. I mean, I think the guy knows his movies, so I'm going to take yeah. him at his word. That sounds pretty yeah. awesome. All right, yeah. so what's it? Did he send in three Kelly one? Yes, just that this? was the second one. Okay, and I'm still hung up on it in my head. I can't get out of my head now. Thank you, Greg Ambrose. Takes a lot to get in my head, and you did it, motherfucker. <laughs> I looked at the trap, Ray. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, come on, <laughs> come on. Exactly. That Although to be I... fair, you don't hear that quoted a lot, but. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's Harold Ramis who doesn't talk much in the movie, so I guess that's what makes that one underrated. Patrick Casey writes, "Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic?" Oh, that sounds familiar. This uh, reminds me of that time when you tried to drill a hole in your tried to drill a hole in what? Is this a, a shallow grave yeah. reference? No, it's another. It's it's just another Ghostbusters quote. Oh, oh, Angus got it. Back to those two different people. Yeah. The disinterest is palpable. I'm if I'm gonna get my balls blown off for a word, my word is poontang. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I don't recognize that, but I, if I had to guess, I would say that sounds like a kiss kiss bang bang line or something. I what just thought that? Kelly was talking. <laughs> I was. Uh, Who sent that in and what balls. is it from? Kelly one? Oh, Patrick Casey sent this in. Okay, and what is that from? Full Metal Jacket. Ah, okay, good. good. See, come on, this is kind of fun. This isn't the stupidest thing I've ever done in the podcast now. That's, oh, no, I freely grant you oh, that. The listeners saved it I'm, for I'm me. Enjoying, I'm enjoying the hell out of this. See, I, w- I did it for them, not us. So in a way, I'm a genius. You're going to need a bigger boat. And he writes, forget which movie. At least he got the line right. See, I, we ruined it for him. And then that's Here's all. another one, by the way. They never say in Treasure of the Sierra Madres... We don't need no stinking badges. 
Did you realize that? No. They say something about, we don't have no stinking badges. We don't need them. It's something like that. Like, it breaks down. It's like a play it again, Sam, where he never actually says play it again, Sam. So Bogart movies always misquoted. I I think so, yeah. But there's no no actual line that's, we don't need no stinking badges. It's it's phrased differently in the actual movie. Uh, And and just, uh, 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 did you say that was Patrick's email? Yes. Uh, Patrick saying, you're going to need a bigger boat. You know, for the longest time, we thought it was... We're going to need a bigger boat, but it's funnier and it's more accurate. You're going to need a bigger boat. The implication being, yeah, the implication being, I'm not going to be around. You guys are going to drop me off, and when you come back out here without me, you will need the bigger boat. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just doing a dick joke, but I like yours. Yours is better. That's good. Kelly, one sometimes a bigger boat is just a bigger boat. Uh, did you learn that from the Cronenberg movie that you didn't walk out of? (laughs) What played again, Sam? Uh Is a really dumb quote to me because I don't know why people would want to remember. I don't remember that part where he made the guy play the thing. Because it is Humphrey Bogart. It, it, it's like it's Rick. It's the character. Yeah, but he's always drunk anyway. That character. Rick. He's always drunk in every. Yeah. Well, no, Humphrey Bogart. No, no, so no, together. No. It's it's where he's like he's sad and he's drunk and he's he's losing like he's losing his composure. No, Kelly Wand. I sentence you to three viewings of Casablanca. All right. <laughs> Sorry. All right, what is the next email? <laughs> I sent you to three viewings of Casablanca. <laughs> yeah. The dingus um, sounded like Claude Rains when he did it. I don't know what I was doing, but Dingus did it way better. <laughs> uh, I, I apologize for what I've unleashed. I was actually doing a, a riff on when all the lines available to humanity. We want them here and we want them now. <laughs> Mrs. Brenna Haggard, phone the police. All right, that's enough. We have to go. It's enough gobbledygook. That was all. That was all with nail and I. That was me and Dingus doing a bit of performance art from with nail and I. All right, people listening don't need to hear all this right now. We have things to do. All right, we do have another email. Who's the? Uh, who's that? The was first? it? What are you? Oh, that was about? it. Okay, good. That well, was four. Good. Well, thank you very much. Thank uh, you very much. Kelly, one saving. Give us the names of the four people who were kind enough to email in their picks again. Patrick Casey, Greg Ambrose, Scott McNeil, and Paul Weimer were thank- all very thoughtful. Uh, contributors to Thank what could have been a nightmarish barren wasteland of the topic. <laughs> Speaking of, of nightmarish barren wastelands of topics, Dingus, will that be the case with next week's 3 by 3 Oh, most certainly it will be. Mm, okay, well, what do you have then? All right, do you fellas remember the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Do I? I already hate <laughs> this. Forget. <laughs> Uh, do you remember how Sean Connery's character, I forget what he, what, who he plays, but, uh, do you remember how he, um, brings an airplane down in that movie? Oh, God. I can only imagine. I, fortunately, no. Doesn't he shoot his own, shoot the plane with its gun or something? Well, he shoots his own plane, and he does do uh, a funny quote from an off-quoted movie where he says, I'm sorry, son, they got us. When he's. <laughs> oh, my God, he's in the turret! He's done oh, it himself. But no, I'm talking about when he's on the beach and he brings a different plane down. Man, no, you're going to have to refresh my memory on that. I don't remember a scene on a beach <laughs> in that movie. All right, well, when they, they crash land, he gets out of the plane and they're about to be strafed and he goes squawking and running along the beach and flapping his umbrella to get all of the birds to fly into the air so that they smack into the plane and the plane crashes. What an asshole. <laughs> It, he was birds really, were neutral. He was a, no, no, no. Those were Nazi birds. 
they so were he collaborating. It's not with its uh, umbrella is involved. He's smart, but if he's on the plane shooting a gun, he's an idiot. That's, exactly. Okay. That's so it. all that is to say, your favorite use of props in a movie. Now you're not going to be able to use. Um, I don't want weapons like standard, like like none of this bishop playing with his knife. Uh, no, no conventional weapons, and I don't want MacGuffins either. I want just, just props that an actor is using in a weird way. Now, the, the one I'm, the one, the example here of Sean Connery is an obvious goofy example. I'd like things that are a little more subtle, if you can. Uh, uh just the little moments where an actor has a prop, a pen or something, and does something, just a little weird thing with a prop. And it doesn't have to relate to the plot of the movie. It should not be a MacGuffin, and it should not be a weapon. It's just uh, an actor. Like, um, um, what's her name? Sarah. Sarah with the axe in uh, Looper is the movie we saw. So that's just that for her. That's just a prop, and how she's using that prop and and how that works in the movie I w- is a really cool thing. I would like to say though that is also a non-faked physical gesture. Uh, her her using that axe. We've done that three by three. So, but for different reasons. So just so Dingus, that, you, you saying it's not a weapon? Then does that rule out Michael Sheen's? <laughs> Go ahead. Let me try that again. Take two. So Dingus, does that rule out Michael? <laughs> what about, what about uh, the laser cane that Michael Sheen uses? In Tron Legacy? <laughs> you can't even <laughs> nope. Laser that, cane was mine. That, right? That's still on the table. Okay, good. On the table. But no, it's a weapon because it shoots lasers. He oh, doesn't use it to kill people, though. Oh, so if, it's just, if it were just a laser pointer, then fine. That's not a weapon. Oh, I see what you're saying. But wait, Bishop doesn't use his knife as a weapon, and... Sean Connery uses his umbrella as a weapon, so neither of your examples make any sense. To me. That's I, a very good point. I, I'm talking Tom's about special weapons sense. like guns and knives and stabbing weapons. But a dancing uh, CG program. Uh, I foresee great or terrible things for this 3 by 3 next week. <laughs> I don't see great at all. I see the latter half of that. Uh, so, Dingus, what then in a phrase, like uh, use of props, or just how would you succinctly describe this 3 by 3 Exactly. Favorite use of props. All right. If you listening have any ideas for this, uh, email us at 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com That's 3x3 at, and you have to spell out, quarter to 3com uh, Send us your picks. Wait, I thought I get to say it this week. Oh, Kelly One, yeah. Why don't you uh, explain to us how they can can participate? Uh, Email us your picks. If you don't want us to read your names, we apologize if we have read them. We're going to assume if you email us, you're okay with us mentioning your name as uh, as a way of thanking you. If you don't want us to do that, uh, let us know or we're going to blurt it out. Uh, So join us for that next week. We will also be seeing, finally, uh, The Master, the new P.T. Anderson movie. Uh, It is uh, opened a little more widely than it was originally. Oh, by the way, speaking of limited openings uh pitch perfect i think opened on like 300 screens a week early did very very well but not perfect it's opening uh much more widely i think like 3000 something screens next week uh so i'm guessing i could be wrong but i'm gonna just go out on a limb and say that pitch perfect will be number one next week keeping my fingers crossed uh, Which one's that? The one about the short people? It's Anna Kendrick. What's the matter with you, Kelly? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, Is it a dancer? No, no, no. It's an acapella singer. Uh, Come on, what? Uh, I don't Is like that... singing. 
Yeah, but Anna Kendrick singing. Okay. So, okay. Then, see, good. Good point. Uh, however, we will not. We we will be seeing that, but we won't be talking about it on the podcast. Uh, you know, maybe we will. Yeah, we'll tune in to find out. We'll mainly be talking about the master and best use of props for our three by three. Join us for that. Uh, also, by the way, uh, just a quick shout out. We have a little Amazon.com box on the side of the front page of quarter3.com. If you see some, if we mention a movie you like and you want to buy it, buy it on Amazon.com and you support quarter to three. Uh, yeah. Just click. I think you have to. They might have to clear their cookies, but they should definitely click through on that. Euphemisms. <laughs> uh, we also have a donate uh, button for PayPal. You can support us that way, or you know what? Tell a friend about the podcast. I don't need the money. Just give it to Tom directly. Yeah. Or just come over to my house. That's right. Uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, so join us next week. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian McCransky. It's Christian Morosky and Kelly Wand. Closing the loop. I love this song. It's from Romain the Show. You know what? I, I was going to play it like ironically, but I, I, I genuinely like this song. You can't like it like I do. Yes. Uh, Kelly Wan, do you have First time a, Tom and I ever kissed. What? <laughs> wow. Uh, Kelly Wan, do you have a, uh, speaking of first kisses, do you have a canan anecdote? I saw, uh, yeah, I have one. <laughs> do you want to hear it? No, I just wondered if you had one, because uh, I have a tough dote. Wait, wait, wait. I, I have a tough... Yeah, go ahead. All right, we'll do yours, I'll, and then I'll do mine. Okay, my Tahonga dote, I, I have a, a local diner here where I eat breakfast a lot, and uh, the waiter was, uh, some people came in and did the stupid thing, it was so obvious, where the guy put like a hair or a bug or something in his sandwich after they'd finished eating, and he made a big fuss about it, and you know, they were like, sorry about that, sir, you the, you won't have to pay for the meal. Obviously, they were a couple of shysters. Um and afterwards, the poor waiter was just so flustered about this, and he just felt awful. Uh, and I was talking to him and saying, you know, you guys do a great job. Thanks for the meal. Don't mind that guy. And he was trying to explain to me how those poor people, they can't get away with that all the time. You know, that you have to go through life paying for your meals. You can't get a free meal every day. And he was trying to say, you can't do that 352 days a year. And he was like, wait a minute, how many days are in a year? And what happened was it rubbed off on me, and I couldn't remember how many days were in a year because this waiter screwed up the number. So the two of us were yeah. sitting there fumbling around. I was like, no, I think it's 356. And he's like, no, it's 352. So a waiter in Tahunga briefly made me forget how many days are in a year. Well, the shysters so that's ripped my... both of you off. They ripped off your memory. They really did. Exactly. Uh, not our memory. I think just our basic intelligence was eroded. Well, yeah. you didn't know Kelly, what's your, what's your, I do, you, don't start with that. What is your can anecdote? <laughs> uh, yesterday, shambling ahead of me in the crosswalk, I viewed a 19-year-old kid wearing a football jersey, and I gradually realized was a hunchback. And then I wanted to ask him if he played for Notre Dame, but I thought he might use his hunch as a weapon, a dromedary. So. <laughs> you, you worked the word dromedary into your anecdote, Kelly Wand. I don't know how I feel about that. Dingus, give us a Winnetka dote. Uh, out walk, walking my dog, uh, there's there's an old guy who walks his big golden retriever, and the golden retriever, uh, the guy just was leaving his house, and this retriever is like six months old and just crazy, and this is a lovely old guy, but the retriever jumped to meet Honey, uh -oh. my dog, 
and oh. yanked the guy across the street so that the guy fell face first down on the sidewalk. <laughs> and I'm standing there going, Fuck. and I was there with my dog and my kid. And so I grabbed uh. his dog's leash. The guy got up. He was so embarrassed. Um, I I know this. Is he alive? I said, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And he goes, "Yeah." And he ran into his house and shut the door with his with his dog. You mean he ran into it like rammed it or went into? He was at ramming speed. No, he was so embarrassed he ran away. I was just worried that he broke an ankle or something. Poor guy. So there you go. Those are our anecdotes from around the world. Uh, They involve bad math, disabilities, and severe injury. The hunchback didn't get hurt, though. Right. So it was fun. So there's that. Right. It's very poignant, Tom. Thank you. I think this has depressed me. Your face looks backward. <laughs>